I'm Dr. Ben Rall. Do you know where the most amazing doctor lives? You may be surprised to learn that it's actually right inside of you. Yet, today's healthcare model is built on a foundation that the greatest doctor instead comes in the form of pills, potions, lotions, even surgery. So listen in, because what if the majority of what you have been told about health and healing is not only wrong, but actually harmful to you? One thing is for sure, when you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Design to Heal. Dr. Ben, today it's just two guys in a doula. Just, you know, like you do. <laughs> Some people that don't know what doula means, they're like, "What? What is going on here?" And it is funny. We were like, joking man, this earlier. Show's weird on us. <laughs> we're, we're we're taping live today, and our guest is with us in the studio, and we're at this little table just to give our listeners and and I'm like, it's like I feel like that scene in the in Lady and the Tramp when they're having spaghetti or something, right? It's like we're all like touching cheek to cheek to That's do why this. I purposely little, didn't put any spaghetti and meatballs yeah, on this so table. Right no here. social distancing to today. That. I'm sorry. We're holding a super so. spreader event and uh, on this podcast. Day. But no, funny enough, and not to put our guest on the spot today, but um, I've known her for a long time and, mm-hmm. and her family and, and our, my, my wife and them and all of that. And um, she was had reached out about one of the shows we have done. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, you really should, you know, do some shows on birth, you know, or stuff. And I'm like, you know, honestly, it's one of those things you're as a guy. I mean, even though I'm a dad and all of that and you just sometimes it's like, oh man, like we haven't done one in a while, right? Even you hadn't even known we had done one, but it's almost probably a year ago. Been a while, right? So yeah, it's been a while. Um, I was like, well, hey, I, there's nobody better. So <laughs> I was like, you, you put yourself out there. If you're going to say we should do one, you should be the you should be the guest. And so she was able to do that. And so we're excited to have her. I'll let her introduce herself uh, for us today. Hi guys. Um, hey. My name is Luna, and um, I've been a doula for about seven years. Um, my practice is called Doulas of Orlando, and I. I don't think that needs more introduction. <laughs> well, it's going to get a lot of questions today from us, and that's uh, that's exciting. So, um, first of all, I think I, you know, as we, we were starting to do this show off the air, as we always do, we always get in trouble doing that, and it's like, wait, stop! We got to have this conversation, like with people, you know, actually able to hear it for the good of the audience. Um, what is a doula? Let's just start there. I know what a doula is, but what is what you know for the audience member? What is a doula, and uh, maybe what's the genesis of where doulas came from and what they do and all that good stuff. Okay, so um, doulas have been around for, you know, about 50 years. And um, it started actually with Penny Simpkin, and she saw the need for women. And actually, during these studies that were done, um, she found that just having a, you know, trained birth professional um, support person in the room with moms actually helped them and um, improved outcomes. And so the term doula actually means a woman to serve women. So that's kind of where it comes from is, is a Greek word and, you know, women serving other women. And we are trained, you know, non-medical per- professionals that... The, one of the things about doulas that I, even just listening to you, Luna, say this first little part. Here's what I think is interesting. And I, because we're going to, we don't pull a lot of punches on this show. We shoot kind of straight at it, right? And so we're definitely um, pro uh, informed consent, pro empowering people, pro, um, I don't want to even say natural birth. I would just say births that don't have unnecessary interventions. I mean, I, there's times where it's difficult, right? There's times where emergency things happen. We understand that. So what I, what I, reason I'm saying that is you might be listening. You might've had a, a very different birth you know, experience than we might 
But that doesn't mean that we should lose that ideal, right? That we should stop doing that. And so, but you said something that I struck me right away, which was what they found early on was when a, when a mom or a family had a birth advocate or a woman helping a woman involved in the birth process, we had better outcomes. Now, I think everybody listening can agree that that would be great, right? Okay. Who doesn't want better outcomes for mom and baby? And, but, it, but it begs the question, why does having a doula do that, right? I mean, yeah. because it, it's, it, it's interesting, right? Like right. you guys being involved make it go better for mom and baby. And I, and I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but I want to ask you, like, why? Because we're objective, right? We're the objective outsider that can give, you know, um, different perspective and more options to the birth birthing couple. And so, like you said, we, we base our practice on informed consent. So a lot of times, and you would think that doctors do this, right? That they give you all of your options. They tell you everything you need to know. But that doesn't always happen. It, it's unfortunate, but it's true. So we're really there to make sure that you or the birthing person gets a full picture of what's happening in the birthing room. So, you know, we've had a home birth, my wife and I. We, well, in South Dakota, it was, it was even different. It was illegal. We had actually drive across the border. We've had a, a hospital-attended midwife birth. Um, and so we've had a little bit of different experience. But to your point, uh, Luna, I feel like, you, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So I think a lot of us, especially when we're going in for our first birth, we're already usually maybe a little nervous um, and, and, and that even shouldn't even be the case, but we've been so programmed by culture, right? I've saw, you know, the number of births by the time you're 18, you've all the births you've seen have been on TV and they've all been like horrible, you know, for the most part, right? This yeah. screaming emergency. I mean, but that kind of goes back to where we are culturally, right? Because if we look at where obstetrics started, it started based off the idea that women are sick during pregnancy, right? That it's a pathology, right? Um, the doctor, um, Robert DeLee, actually was, who is seen as the father of modern obstetrics, um, he actually, in his book, it was very interesting, um, said that we needed to save women from the birthing process because of the evils of the birthing process. And so you look at obstetrics now, and you can see that. That is literally how obese practice. They practice based off the fear that something's going to happen. To your point, I think it shows that oh, our mind, if you were to just ask, you know, take, you know, 100 people off the street and say, you know, what percentage of women do you think, uh, you know, what you just described there would give birth, need no help, need no whatever interventions. I think you'd hear something crazy, honestly. I think you'd hear 50%. Yeah, I was going to say half. You know, that's something what like I think that. they would say. So, so, but that's not, and so we, we have this, like you said, we medicalized birth. We've turned it into a disease and that breaks my heart as a dad, as a doctor, as a, as a anything. I sit there, I've used this example before, you know, there's been people and I want to be as transparent as we can on the show. There are people that die in the process of giving birth, right? Babies and, and mamas, right? There's also people, and this is going to probably get me in trouble a little bit. There's, there's people that have, you know, choked to death eating chicken, right? But we don't make everybody eat chicken in a hospital, right? right? We don't say, okay, surrounded by a team of doctors in case of an emergency or better yet, you know what? We could stop all of that from happening. Let's just cut out, put a tube in your stomach and we'll just feed you through that tube. You have no risk of ever choking to death anymore. Right. But that isn't the whole story, right? So what we've done, so this is what would be shocking to me, Luna. We'll get into a couple other stats, see if I'm updated on the ones I, that I have. So 
we've done all this medicalization. So let's talk about this. So we've, we've, you know, kind of created it as a pathology. We've, you know, babies born in hospitals with, you know, you know, doctors and this type of stuff for the most part. So then logic would say we should be doing better. Right. right. Like, right. Yeah. you know, right. Compared to, I guess, other nations would be a, one starting point compared to what, you know, some other recommendations. Where do we, I'll just put you on the spot. Where do we sit as the United States? Because this will surprise some listeners in infant mortality and maternal mortality. Where does the United States sit kind of in the world or industrialized nations? Oh, God. Um, we are actually the worst out of the 10. Most the top 10. The We're worst. not even on the list. Yeah. So think about that. Like, so they've told us, you know, it's so dangerous for you. We've got to save moms from the evils of pregnancy, this disease that, you know, don't acknowledge is actually we're designed to make babies, right? <laughs> and created to do this. It's not a disease. It's not a tumor. It's a baby, right? Um, and so we're going to intervene to make this all better. And we've done such a great job that we in the United States are not even in the top 10. I've seen some numbers. We're like 32nd, 33rd in infant and maternal mortality, depending on kind of the year. It's, it's our C-section rates are 32 percent 32 i mean it's unbelievable now what i've seen out of like world health organization i believe um they said that the average should be you know what three to five percent of c is that a fair ish number you know when you take out all the junk interventions and stuff well i mean if you look at what the midwives do um and their stats their stats tend to be between three and five percent um c-section rate but the but who actually state stipulates that more than 10 percent you don't see better outcomes so we sit in a nation right now that's, and that's been trending only up, right? I mean, I've seen projections that it's probably going to continue to rise. Well, I mean, just if you look at the year um, of COVID, um, locally, we saw a 9 out of 10 induction rate and about a 70% C-section rate. Which, I want to pause here for a second, because I think this is what we have to separate, right? We have to, we, we, that should concern us. Right, as for, because, and what I want you to talk about, Luna, is the implications of C-sections for mom and baby. What are some of the, again, we have from our listeners, you need to be able to like hold on to some things here. So, you know, we have a lot of data that says midwife attended births tend to have an outcome of three to 5% C-section rates or a transfer rate or whatever that works out, right? So okay. we're, we're saying that the evidence says we shouldn't ever have more than maybe three to five percent cesarean world health organization says hey anything over 10 percent, we don't see better outcomes for moms and babies we sit at mid-30s in the united states of america we should be freaking out we should okay the ob's aren't freaking out the hospitals aren't freaking out they could care less excuse me i'm just being frank because they get paid more for that babies are in icu moms have longer recoveries it's it's a money maker for the hospitals frankly it it's is. just the fact, it right? Is. I mean, if you look at the differences in just healthcare costs, um, a, a midwife at home attended birth it ranges between six thousand five hundred and seven thousand five hundred. Um, a hospital birth, and I'm talking ten years ago when I had my baby, was fourteen thousand dollars for a natural, unmedicated birth. And you look at the statistics and averages for C-sections, you have about a $55,000 cost for yeah. each C-section. So, and that's It's a no major surgery. I mean, right. I think, again, people, we, we've gotten numb to these terms, right? I mean, it's a, it's, again, from the numbers and things I've read, it's the number one major surgery in the United States, abdominal surgery, because it's an abdominal surgery. This is not unzipping mom and, you know, lift. I, I've got, when I've got dads that I take care of, you know, when they bring their babies in to, for us to see, and it was a C-birth, a C-section birth, the dads are, let me be careful how I say this, the dads are often traumatized by what they saw. 
You know, right. mamas often don't get to see what happens there at some, at some level. They're traumatized for some other reasons. But when dad tells me what they did to that baby when they're pulling it out, it's not unzipping it and lifting it up. It is, it is hard to watch. It's violent. It is violent. It's it is violent. violent. And I mean, that's why they coined, the ter- they coined the term obstetric violence, right? And we talk about it. We focus on it in the birth world when it comes to moms. But a lot of times we miss the, we miss the ball on talking about what that means for babies. Mm-hmm. And just statistically, I mean, we can, we can look at the effects, um, lifelong effects. I mean, there was a recent study that was pu- published in JAMA that saw that um, C-section birthed babies have a 67% autism rate. Oh, an increase, an increase in autism of that much. See, this is where we love having you on the show. And for our listeners, we, we need to be able to expand how we think. We often compartmentalize it, right? It's like, um, this is, again, maybe a bad example, but we hear the numbers in, in the war, maybe when, when, when um, somebody die, you know, when, uh, you know, soldiers die, right? And I've heard different numbers. For every soldier that dies, there's, you know, X amount that are permanently injured, right? That are right. struggling with PTSD, that have missing limbs, that have lifelong disabilities. And that number just kind of gets glossed over. It's like when you see a car accident and it says, oh, and nobody died. Oh, they must be okay. No, that person is forever changed, right? So just because our baby didn't, forgive these harsh, you know, words, but just because the baby didn't die or have an immediate noticeable you know, you know, brachial plexus injury or some, you know, something crazy that you just can't help but see, you know, failure to thrive. I'm talking about all those other kind of not silent ones, but the ones that don't show up right away. Right. right and when yeah. you, and now that's not even talking about the separation of oftentimes a newborn baby's not going up on, or a, excuse me, a C-section birth isn't going up on mama's chest. Right. Right. They're getting taken away. Yeah. They get, they get suctions. Um, they get cleaned off they get swaddled and literally all that skin is, um, that is, all you can see is their face. And so you do have that disconnect and you have that disruption also in the bonding effects that moms have with those babies. And you you look at the the number of children being abused or that are left on the side of the road or just kind of negligence. And we could probably trace that was to it, the type it, of birth that that mom had. Is it fair to say, I know, I feel like I've read the studies that link you know higher C-section rates to higher PPD, postpartum depression. Right. Yeah. Right? Uh, to, partly to your point, when you don't have that, again, not that we need to apologize on this show. I, I hope everybody understands. There's a time and a place for emergency medicine, right? right? Just like yes. in, in what the work that I do. I mean, there's, you know, if you're having a heart attack or you get run over on the street and your arms laying over there, like, don't come to my office, right? That's right. not what we're talking about. What we're talking about the 97% and that approach. This is what I want our listeners to understand. Having a person like you involved in what's for most of us one of the most important things we ever have in our life, right? Yeah. Our birth of our, I mean, if you ask people that are parents and you say, what's the most important days of your life? It's always their kids, their marriage, their kids, you know, something like that. Well, it, a woman never forgets her birth experience. There's even examples of women that have um, Alzheimer's and you ask them how their birth went and they remember. Um, and wow. kind of to kind of piggying back off of that, it goes back to that, that thought process of fear, right? And I'm sure Dr. Joseph DeLee had good intentions, but the road to hell is paved with good mm. intentions, mm. right? And so if, if we see, we're not trying to criminalize or yeah. set a negative mindset on OBs or on the medical system, because there's a time and a place for them. And there's a, you know, if you look around the world, they, you know, they take care of those higher risk patients and that's where they're needed. But for the, the moms that are having a, not, a very normal pregnancy, expecting a safe, you know, a healthy baby, they should be cared to, cared by midwives. The statistics say, you know, that 
the mortality rates on mid with midwives is under one percent for both mom and baby. Yeah. And and so if you look at the stats for for OBs, you know that's about a five percent. And I think when I remember hearing people, yeah, well, this right there is an amazing. And here's what I. Because I, I've, I've walked through this with our own family as we were trying to get you know them educated and and because some were, you know, not as you know some people they think you're crazy you're gonna have a home birth you know those kinds of things and so we got educated and we tried to educate them and for some it went well for some it didn't it just you know it depends but it's so hard because here was seems to be the classic statement like but what if something happens right you know what if there's a an emergency right and I think people first of all they don't realize that most of those are identified during the previous, you know, 30, you know, some weeks. You don't generally arrive at, you know, birth in labor going like, well, <laughs> this was a surprise, right? right. It's, you know, you're being monitored, matter of fact. And then I think, don't think a lot of people realize that, that midwives, using midwives in this example, are equipped for those emergencies, right? If anything, I would say my experience with midwives is that they're actually hypersensitive to those things, right? Because they want to just make sure, right? And, and, and that everything's okay. And if there's questions or concerns, you know, they do the appropriate measures. And so, but your statistic right there speaks for itself, right? 1%, you know, below 1%, you know, fatality or, you know, mortality rate for moms and babies and midwife attended births, 5% in the OB. Like, so if you were a thinking person, you would say it's actually more dangerous for me to be in the hospital. Oh, and that's 100%. hard. And that's hard for people's brains to go with because we've been so programmed to believe, but if something happens, the problem is the approach within the walls of a hospital typically is disempowering. It's more interventions. It we're doing things we wouldn't have done. We make assumptions we didn't, right? Oh, well, it seems like this happened. We better just rush into a C-section or mom's already freaked. It's like a, an example of white coat hypertension, right? When our blood pressure goes up, we're at the doctor's office. It doesn't mean you have a blood pressure problem. It means you don't like being around doctor's problem, right? right. And so you pick women in this, you know, typical medical environment of a hospital and try to give a birth in there. It's a tough go if they don't have somebody like you to help, you know, and, and midwives around there to help navigate that. Right. Yeah. So um, I like uh, what Michelle O'Dent says a lot. And, it, and like we take the, the love out of the process when we give birth in, in a hospital a lot of times. And that's why a doula is really important, because when you bring a doula to the birthing room, we really try to set up the room so to make it as comfortable as possible. Um, there's actually studies that have shown that even having blue lights can affect the labor process. It can actually slow things down. Um, the way that your doctor approaches you, you know, we can have some underlining trauma where, you know, we are triggered by the noise the machine makes. And so if we're able to identify those things beforehand, and we have those conversations with our clients um, beforehand, kind of to identify what those fears are. And, and so that when we go to the birthing room, we try to eliminate those fears or eliminate those triggers so that women can really let go of their thinking or their forebrains in order to give birth because birth is instinctual. Birth is, you know, back of the brain. And so we have to disconnect from our, you know, our forebrains and, and that's where the doula and the dad comes in, right? Because we, we are there to protect the mom from those outside influences, which might be the negativity of the nurse because she's having a bad day. Or it could be the doctor who's just came from a traumatic experience in, in the next room and is bringing that over to, you know, her room. So we really try to shelter moms to make sure that they have the, the calmest experience possible. We had, when we had our first, um, my daughter, and we, we went through the Bradley kind of method, right? And, and, and Dr. Bradley, and I remember reading his materials and we took a I think we took a class and I read his books and 
this isn't a perfect metaphor, but I want to use it, and then you guys kind of speak into it. So he bases a lot of his modeling a little bit, metaphor of like how animals give birth, right? How, you know, a cow or a, a dog, right? They go find a quiet place and they want to be alone and they, you know, they go into their own place. And he talks about like people lived on a farm. I wasn't raised on a farm, but just people that have seen animals, you know, give birth like that. Now, I'm not saying that we're cows and dogs and cats, but we are physiology, right? We, we, we are there's some similarities there that we can appreciate. I, I tell you that we, it wasn't designed that we had to be in, you know, white, sterile, medicalized rooms under lights with strangers we've never met with knives and scalpels and drugs and things around us. That certainly wasn't the design. And right. so when we look at that, I think we've, it's been such a, a, a runaway train. And so when I, I remember just thinking about that, so now compare a typical, you know, animal birth, again, forgive me that this example, not forgive, just using it. And, and then now, contrast that with our the typical medical experience. I've heard so many women that maybe they're having a hospital birth, they were in labor, maybe somebody was checked them, they were dilated, you know, to a five, and then they go to the hospital and boom, it shuts down, right? It's just like everything stopped. Well, yeah, you just took a preg, you know, a, a laboring, birthing mom and put her in a car and drove her across town and she's freaked out and she meets 12 people she didn't know. She's in a room she's never been in. She's scared. She's free like, what do you think's going to happen? Right. And so that's where when people say, well, well, but about emergency, we're causing emergencies when we when we approach it with this mindset. Right. If there was a great um, article written, it was by a cardiologist and he was talking about like Apple watches and all that. And he said, listen, because one of them is starting to measure for certain heart palpitations and possible AFib. And this cardiologist goes, I'm super concerned about this because this is going to create so many false positives that people are going to be thinking they're having a heart attack or have a heart problem. They're going to be racing into me and they, because they don't realize that that most of that's normal. 99.9% of that's normal. And the, the, so the one we think we're going to catch isn't going to work. So we, we've done the same thing with birth, right? We've, right. we've created all these problems. Then we respond and like, oh, we're there to save the day. Mm -hmm. It'd be like me, you know, I'm from, from South Dakota. It'd be like me hosing down the sidewalk out in the front of my office and people are slipping and then I'm there to say, hey, I can help you. But no, you just ice <laughs> down the sidewalk, dude, right? We create this traumatic, stressful environment. environment that creates a bunch of physiological complications or can, and then we go, oh, we better get baby out. And then I'm supposed to thank you at the end of that? But a lot of moms do. And that's kind of where, where it stems, right? Because we're in a vulnerable place when we're giving birth. And so we're, we, I hear it all the time. Oh my God, thank God doctor was there. Thank God I was at the hospital because the C-section saved my baby. And that could be the case, but it could also be because of what your doctor suggested or what they did at the hospital. Mm. And so you're right. It, it's, it's traumatic. And, and a lot of that can be just fixed by getting out of the hospital if you're a healthy mom expecting a healthy baby. Mm -hmm. Luna, I love what you do because, you know, going along with things that Dr. Ben always talks about and says, he, he calls a lot of people doctor, right? I get called doctor sometimes, which is kind of fun. I get to walk around, doctor, yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, I've always, I remember the first time Ben ever did that to me and, and I, I finally understood what it was about, that he was acknowledging that within me is that best doctor, right? Within my own body, if I take care of it, you know, um, I hear you saying, essentially, if I'm reading between the lines here and really not even reading between so much, I'm hearing you say that these mamas are a whole lot more equipped and a whole lot, I mean, they're the best ones in the room. They're the ones carrying this baby and that maybe, no, not maybe, it's like that knowledge has been stolen from them. And so like they've deferred that. They've been, they've been told someone else is the expert and you don't know what you're doing and you're just here to be the patient. So sit back, relax, take the epidural, take the whatever. And I, I just... 
my experience with, you know, obviously talking to you today, but we've also had the doula experience as well, has been doulas re-empower women in ways that they should have been. Is that accurate? Yes. industry is made to take power away from the woman, right? Yeah, the whole yeah. model of obstetric care is obstetric guided, whereas midwifery care is woman led. Mm. And so that's the huge difference, yeah, right? Because who yeah. knows better what's happening to mom? Mom, right? Who's in that body? Mom, right? And so if we follow women's lead, mm -hmm. you know, she'll tell you when something's wrong. Yep. She'll be the first one to know. Okay, can I, I need to jump in here on two points. Okay, with two of our kids. The longest labor that we had um, with one of our kids was uh, around, I think it was around 15 hours, and it was a back labor for my wife. Now, there's some women out there going, did he just say we, right? So, but I'm going to say this. It was an all-nighter, okay? And like literally every two minutes. You're on thin ice. You're on thin ice. I know. Just be careful. Get your shovel and start digging me up. <laughs> this is just for my wife that's listening. So you know, I'm not going to put my foot in my mouth because I've done that many times. Continue. I will find Continue. you a way to get sucked into this conversation. <laughs> no, what I was going to say was in that longest one, um, my wife knew the entire, I'm not progressing. I'm not progressing. Something's wrong. She asked, she even asked him, can we, can we flip? Can we do whatever? Sure enough, baby's arm is stuck like up in, you know, this elevated position. Sure enough, you know, they figured out, oh yeah, baby's arms up in the air. They did some things, moved around. And I'm talking like baby's out in 20 minutes with the next one. It, it was a nursing struggle. All right. And my, my wife who had already nursed a bunch of babies and was a champ at that was an advocate for that is going, I'm in pain. Something doesn't feel right. You know, in the hospital, can we check for a tongue tie? No, it's not a tongue tie. Well, guess what happens? Three months later, we get a tongue clip and the baby inflates to the typical inflated, you know, well-fed nursed baby and that sort of thing. Who knew in both cases? Mama, right? Right. But nobody listened. And when they finally did listen, then problem solved. Right. right? Luna, can I ask you something? Because I want to make sure that our, our listeners, and I think, I think you would agree with this, here's what I would suggest not to do. And I would say this like in my office, if somebody came in and they said, hey, I don't want, I'm not going to change anything in my lifestyle. I just want to come in here once in a while and have you crack my back, Dr. Ben, right? I'd say, gosh, I don't think that'd be the best use, right? You're just using me as an expensive aspirin, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, what, what I don't want a listener to hear is this isn't, hey, I'm going to just do all of whatever they tell me to do, but I'm going to throw a doula on top. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sprinkle a little way. doula on top. Right. Mm -hmm. Hey, I got my doula. Come in and you do all the magic, because a lot of what I've learned through, you know, the doula world and other people in your in your space, you setting up that relationship, find that doula early. Right. I know there's pre and there's post, you know, but this is it's part of what we have to rattle around. It's what I have to talk about my patients all the time. They're so used to seeing doctor as bad and I don't want to go and it's a pain. That's why when we do wellness care, we've tried to change the rhythm a little bit. Like it's good to be here, right? It's good to have a relationship with your doula. It's good to get educated. It's good to come to classes and ask questions and and all those things actually create the birth experience you probably or increase those those chances. Those odds, right. Yeah. And then like post stuff, right? Breastfeeding and you know, just the first stuff, you know, um, healing and recovery and what's natural, what's not, you know, we, we messed up. I take full responsibility on our first birth. 
Um, I did not get, I mean, we had my daughter on Saturday afternoon. My wife was back to work at my office on Tuesday, which oh, was yikes, not, man. oh my gosh, I'm still, I mean, and it led to a breast abscess. Uh, you know, we had uh, some complications because we were going against, even though birth is natural, you know, right? So is resting after birth, right? So is all of those things. So I learned some lessons there, unfortunately, the hard way. But did, would you speak to that about for your patients or people that are listening? It's like, okay, so maybe I want a baby. What is this do thing? Don't use a doula like a, a lucky charm. Like yeah, there you go. Yeah, you've you've had these right or so you get a call at the eleventh hour, right? Yeah, you know? mm. right. I, I mean, I have a client right now. But um, the first thing I think that women need to realize is that they need to take responsibility. It's not my birth; it's her birth, right? It's not up to me; it's up to her. And so she needs to be the one, or they need to be the one as a couple to become educated. They can't expect me to come in and save them. I'm not, I'm not a savior, right? I'm there to empower them to advocate for themselves because there is nothing stronger. And what am I teaching them if I'm the one taking that responsibility from them? I'm not teaching them to be responsible parents, right? And what do I want from, for my clients and for the future generations? I want responsible parents to raise responsible children, right? And, and Any more than handing off your birth to an OB, right? Don't have to do like, same thing in my office. Don't hand your, don't. I am not, yeah, I'm not your healer. I, right. I you know, I, I can't have the responsibility. It's not mine to have, right? And so if we just, it's why even people that like natural things, I often am encouraged. I just had a conversation today. Somebody said, well, what about this, Dr. Ben? Isn't that, I said, it's the same mindset that you have. It's the same medical mindset. I just, now my doula, right? Or my midwife or whatever. And again, those are, we, those people can all be on our team. That's not the point of this conversation, but let's not lose the, the importance of, like you said, that respect. And I, I would say, you know, both of you guys, like, I think that's our fear with a lot of the world right now, right? Is no responsibility, whether it's in healthcare decisions, whether it's in financial decisions, whether it's in, you know, <laughs> the government will fix it for me, or you know what I mean? Like, we don't want to have to take responsibility for our health, our families, you know, hardly anything. And but Ben, when people talk about that, they limit that not taking responsibility to like the things that they perceive are irresponsible. And I think what we're talking about here is there's a lot of categories, i.e. this one for starters, you know, like birth there, you know, that they have a responsibility for. You don't just hand off to the quote unquote expert or whatever out there. Like I keep hearing Luna saying, like the mom is the expert. Mom is the expert. Take responsibility here. Okay. But you know what? I can't think of the times I've heard, unfortunately, from, from moms when I'm meeting with them, you know, after birth usually or something. And they're like, I've heard this so many times. I really wanted a, a, a doula. I really wanted a midwife. I really wanted a home birth. I really, something like that. And they said, but my husband, he wouldn't do it. He wasn't on board. He was afraid. He would, you know, or even people that, you know, do classes, they do, you know, a leche or hypno or something. And their spouse won't come. We, you know, we, a lot of this, we can't speak to because we haven't, you know, ever pushed a baby out. But as a dad, I can speak to the dads and say, what the hell are you doing? Right. Right. You got to get into game, right? Your wife needs you. That's why Bradley is kind of the, the motto is it's husband uh, assisted or partner assisted, right? Birth, right? Your or husband coached birth, childbirth, right? I must say this. And I've failed on this so I can you know, use that. But this is, it's not your wife's job either. Maybe correct me, Luna. You know, I don't want to take too much. I don't want to take anything away from women, but they, you need a strong, partner. you know, partner. And you and we've been as programmed as most everybody else, and so we have our own little fears about it. We just want to be the, the dad in us wants to be the protector. We want to, you know, be the 
whatever. And so that instinct in us, but we don't, we have to realize that that instinct has been stolen from us and misappropriated. And we, then that, that means hospital. That means the smart doctor that's smarter than me. Right. And so we have to recalibrate that and realize back to your statistic earlier, if you really mean that dad, then when you have a 5% mortality rate in the hospital and a one less than 1% mortality at home, then you better wake up and get over some of your fears that have been Mm -hmm. programmed into you because those Mm -hmm. fears are not natural. When we when when humans started first having babies, you know we weren't we weren't afraid they weren't afraid of giving birth, right? They wasn't they didn't watch six thousand bad sitcoms with women getting rushed on the hospital screaming bloody murder, right? Mm. It wasn't what happened, and so that's been programmed. So, uh, Luna, I'm thinking, could you take us through maybe an, if you're willing, kind of an ideal, you know? So maybe when people are listening. I want to have kids. I, I someday, got this. Right? I got this. Oh, ready? Okay. As the closing work, because I'm so glad he was already going on the track. Tell a mom and a dad by extension, but tell a mom right? You get the final word here on the show. Tell her what that birth can be. Well, I want to, and I want to go a little further though, before that, not just the birth, but I'm a mom and a dad and I want to, I think I want to have a family, right? And, mm. or we're, we're fixing to get pregnant. Okay. Can you walk us through some mindset, right? And maybe some challenge that you've experienced through that, right? The, the husband that's obstinate, right? Mm, and the, mm, mm. and the family members that maybe think this is weird. What's a doula? Is that like witchcraft? You know what I mean? Right. You know, he's, <laughs> there's a funny comedy skits. I think Jim Gaffigan talks oh about God, sometimes, right? That the Jim Gaffigan, he's had like four or five home births, right? With his wife. And he's like, you know, it's a funny skit. If you've never watched it, it's worth watching. So can you kind of just present this you know, what it could be, right? Because I think we miss it if we just say just the birth, right? Because that's Agreed. a small, big part, but I mean, right, of the birth process, there's a whole lot more than just what happens in the birth. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing you need to do is come to the realization that you guys are in this together, right? And so it's not just her process, it's yours as well. And so when you walk your wife through that, go to her appointments with her, ask those questions, Look up some statistics, read a book, right? Watch some birthing videos of home births. It might not be what your forte is precisely like, oh, that sounds weird, but hey, check it out. See, explore that option. And that's kind of what I always tell my clients, even if it's to eliminate that option, explore it. Ask, interview a midwife or two, go to the birth center, explore it you know, get a tour, ask how much it is, ask them what their stats are, and then go to your OB and ask them the same questions. What are your stats? Go to the hospital, ask them their stats. And then you make an informed decision based off that information of where you should be and who should be in charge of your care. So to that first one, I I challenge, you know, a lot of times I'm hard on the dads because I would just say work as hard as you would if you were going to buy a new car or a new dishwasher or a new something at your house. You're going to research that. You're going to look into that. And you have people that are walking down the, the, the aisle of their, one of the most, I mean, I would argue one of the most important things they did in their life, their child, and they don't even know the caretaker, you know, provider as what their rates are, right? And, I, and I'm going to jump in. Most of the hospitals won't even give you those rates, right? They won't even, you'll find out very quickly that they're protecting something and hiding something, right? To, they'll give you general ones. They'll give you some number from across the, you know, whatever, U.S. or something. But, you know, the other, like, we're happy, you're always happy to share stats, right? I'm happy to share stats about victories in our, because we get great results, right? Like a midwife's proud of their results, right? Be like, you could go talk to any of our people, right? Yeah. And so, so then is it when you're starting to have thinking about having a baby 
and I'm kind of, you know, throwing you a softball here, right? I mean, your health matters. Like, you know, I mean, start thinking about being healthy now, right? If you're on medications, if you're, you know, I meet moms, for example, that maybe are on antidepressants and your moms to be, right? Or thinking about being moms and dads. And there are, and dad too, I should throw dad under this. Dad's health matters. That's been shown that the health of the, the dad implica- has implications in the health of the child, right? right. The, the sperm they're able to make, the, you know, their vitality that they have. So we play a role in this. So dad needs to be healthy. Mom needs to be healthy. If you're on some medications, we know that there's certain risks with certain medications. If you're having them and they're going to be passed on to the baby, just like if mama's, you know, doing crack, you know what I mean? There's implications to this. We don't like to think about it like that, right? But you, we need to. We need to say, because you, you're telling me you want to have a healthy, great, thriving baby. Awesome. Well, then you better be healthy and thriving. Right. To start with, yeah, and you got to off your nutrition. You know, so you know, taking care of your body, your health, your mind, all those kinds of things coming together. When do they start to try to find a doula in the process? I would suggest between 15 and 20 weeks is when you should start looking for a doula. Um, that's also when you should start seeing your chiropractor. If you if you don't see a chiropractor, that was a paid. That was a paid. That was paid <laughs> advertisement. Just no, not at all. Honestly, I tell all of my clients that chiropractic care is essential for a pregnancy and for postpartum um, because your bodies are changing, right? So you need to be able to kind of keep everything aligned in order to have the healthiest outcomes as well. And I've seen it firsthand where moms, the differences between moms that get regular chiropractic care and the ones that don't. I see quicker, you know, births and labors and better outcomes with those moms that get regular chiropractic care. Yeah, well, I've even I'm I'm laughing because you know you've sent a lot of people to the office and it's almost like I'm teasing a little bit, but you know almost like a mandate or like you know Luna said I have to come, you know what I mean, right? Um, but then they get the benefits of that. I mean, one of the things that chiropractors is, uh, chiropractors are trained in myself is one of them is Webster technique, which is a technique for helping babies turn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got great success helping babies not be born breech, which you know again none of this, but it only sounds weird sometimes because it's new. Right. Like you said, a birth center. What's a birth center? Right. If I've never heard that. I don't know if I've ever had anybody that I know that's gone to a birth center, toured it or something and said anything other than that's amazing. Right. Like, you mean I can have birth here? Like, you know, and, you know, it's nicer than my bedroom, you know, kind of a thing. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, our, our home birth option, because we had to travel, my son was actually born in a farmhouse and a bathroom in a farmhouse, uh, not quite ideal in, in comfort level standpoint, but we were thankful to be in a, in a home environment. So, um, now, is it wrong if they explore earlier, though, uh, Loon? I'm just curious. You know, because if they're ahead of the game and they want to interview people, I know you had a doula. Can I meet them? Is that okay? No, if no, they're definitely. more of a planner, kind of in that regard. I mean, I have clients that reach out before they even get pregnant, okay. right? But um, I, the average is usually between 15 and 20 weeks. What's a cost of a doula? Range-ish, if you don't mind. Or, you know, you don't have to sell your cost, but what's a range a person can expect? So it really depends on, on where you are in the United oh. States. Um, in, for example, Miami, um, the average cost is about $2,000 to $3,000. New York is pretty similar. Here in Central Florida, it's around 1000 Okay. Yeah, plus or minus a few. Yeah. And um, and I know that. And so what's usually included in, in, in doula care? So what's a typical, you know, how do I meet with you? What's the rhythm of that? You know, you come to my birth? Like, are you there in my birth? Yeah. So usually they reach out, they give us a call or they email us um, that they're looking for care. And then we set up a consultation with them. Um, we either meet in person or virtually, which is all the rage now. Um, 
we talk to them, we kind of see if we jive, right? And, and not only does the client make that decision, but we do as well, because we have to be comfortable with you as well, right? So it's kind of an interview on both fronts. Um, and then once we decide, hey, we're a good match, we, we jive well, and we, you know, I'm comfortable with you, you're comfortable with me, let's go ahead, I'll send you the contract. And we look over that, we sign, you pay. Um, and then we set up our appointments, right? We, we start the childbirth education process. We you know, send you links to different things you should look into, different documentaries, different books you should check out. Um, then once the process begins and you get later into your pregnancy, around 37 weeks is when we schedule an in-person, what we call prenatal, where we come to your house, we go over your birth plan, we go over some of your fears, we make affirmations, we go over the comfort measures that, you know, we typically use in, in the birthing space. Um, we go over you know, your, your husband or your partner's role. Um, we make sure that they are aware that we're not there to take their place, that we're there to kind of just be part of the team and make sure that he is participating at whatever his comfort level is. Um, the second prenatal is usually where we go over the birth, the postpartum plan. Um, and that's really, really important. Something that's often forgotten is you need to know what your plan is after the baby's born. Like, yeah, let's concentrate on getting the baby here, but then what? Right? You have the baby at the hospital. They don't really teach you anything on how to keep a baby alive. You just, they're just like, here, see you. I hope to see you in you know, a few years. It's almost, it's, if it wasn't funny, it's, it's actually, it is quite odd when you think about that. Cause you know, all the buildup medically is like, if we're not here for you, there's no way you can do this without me. Right. And then when it's over, like, I mean, okay. I'm like, see ya. It's like, it's, it's interesting, right? Because anybody that's had a baby knows, man, I need probably, I don't want to take anything away from the birth process, but it's a, it's interesting, right? I mean, when you get home, even when you love birth and babies and it's exciting, it's a blessing and a dream, you're still like, what? Even if is you, when you know what you're doing. I mean, I just had a baby yeah. three months ago and I'm still learning. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things that like you have to have a plan for the postpartum, whether who, who's going to be there for, to help you during the process. You do. And, and around the world, the average time that a woman heals or takes time to heal is 40 days. Wow. So who's oh, going to be there? And yeah, that's a natural vaginal, I mean, a natural kind of birth ish, right? right? That's not even talking any complications or C-section or, or anything like trouble that. breasts, you know, just the stuff that happens. Right. That's so... Now, if, if I'm a person that this is new to me, right, um, and I couldn't agree more with postpartum doula or midwife, you know, whatever that whole team looks like for you, you, you need somebody probably because of how complicated it's got, gotten, right? You need a voice of reason there. I think how you started this, an objective person that you can ask a question about whatever, vaccines or breastfeeding or anything, right? And just right. say what do I do? Or can I take a bath? Or I, it hurts going to the bathroom? Or can I, you know, or, when can we have sex again? Or, you know, right? I mean, whatever, weird stuff, not or, weird stuff, right? Just yeah. the stuff you don't know. Right. Or when do, when do you need to go up in diaper sizes? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. And having somebody that has experience that has a perspective that is one maybe you desire, even though there's times where, um, and I think that's one of the things I've always appreciated about doulas, um, is, you're there to support the woman, right? So a person, may, you might have your own views on something of vaccinations or, or right? And another person might have different. Well, that's not for you to, right? To, impose. To impose, yeah, right. But, but we can certainly talk about it, right? right. And I can share my life experience and, and vice versa. And so um, the person, though, that thinks it's it's because it it's new, right? So this is just too much. I don't even know. I don't even know a doula. What is this, you know? How do they find, I mean, we, we mentioned earlier, 
Um, do they, they can literally just, they can do a, like a consult and then yeah. just kind of like we just. They could just give us a call and set up a time to, to talk and we can go over some of their basic questions. We try to limit them because else we could be there for hours, right? Um, but we, we literally can have those conversations and it's, hey, I, I worry when, when clients don't ask me questions. Mm -hmm. That worries me yeah. because it's like, okay, what, what are they expecting me to do here? And what are they going to do when the, other, when the other person comes at them, right? When the OB says, oh, doulas are dumb or something, right? They're going to just, right. you know, so, and then also just so people know, you go into the birth, Right? right. You're yes. there, whether it's at home or a birth center or even a hospital, right? right. Doulas are, I even use the word allowed. I know there was a hiccup for a while, right? With COVID. Are you yeah. guys back allowed? Yeah. Uh, okay. all, all of the Central Florida hospitals are now allowing doulas. Beautiful. And right. So, you know, I just think we never had a doula, my wife and I. Um, and where we were at in South Dakota, it was rare, right? I mean, there just wasn't really any. Now, if we were having children, I would absolutely have a doula for all of the reasons that you've shared. Um, so, but I think just thinking about that now, having a person with your skills and said, and, 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 and energy, if you will, right. Just a person that you can having them there, especially knowing the dude, cause stuff comes up. I remember we almost ended up in a C-section with our first. And I remember that moment as the dad, knowing my wife's wishes knowing every discussion we've had, knowing our thoughts on all this. You're involved and being, and also being, yeah. And being stuck there. My wife was working way harder, but I'm just saying like, I'm out of my mind too. Right. Just from all the stuff and knowing what's the right thing to do here. And having an objective voice at that time would have been really helpful. Thankfully, we were able to, you know, get Maneuver to and have a vaginal right. birth, but many don't, you right, know, yeah. and, and, and one last maybe way we can kind of end this. So because of the, and I hate to say the trauma that can happen with birth though, and maybe this is, I, I said we wouldn't end it this way, but maybe I feel like it, it, if you want to speak into this a little bit for our listeners, the mom and the dad that's listening to this going, oh my gosh, we had that birth. Not the, not the one that they're talking about, right? We had the, we got railroaded through the system, right? I think it was a C-section that shouldn't have happened. We've, my wife never really recovered. You know, we've struggled with different stuff. Like, you know, is there, how do you speak into that for people? You know, and I know that's not your, necessarily your, your job, but you see a lot of trauma. You probably see a lot of births where they're the second, Right. right. And they say, I don't want to do that again. Right. And so I'll do anything to avoid that. Is there what's your your hope for those families that have experienced a birth trauma? Right. Baby or, or family. Um, so um, I do get that a lot. And a lot of the times it's it's just letting them know that birth can be healing. So their second or third experience, they can heal those wounds. And we do suggest um, if it's something very traumatic, getting counseling right? Um, but if, if you had a C-section birth or you had a traumatic experience and you want something different, I commend you just because guess what? You're exploring that option, right? You're looking into something different. You're asking questions. And that's, that's honestly the first step is saying, I need help and reaching out. You've already made the first step right? You've already reached out to, to someone to see what options you have. And guess what? That's where I'm there. And you can heal, right? You know, my, I remember my wife has gone through some experiences, other resources out there. It used to be the big, big red tent, I think, of the red, you know, I don't know if those still exist, but there was places for women to share their birth stories and their birth traumas, right? And, and, and get through that. You don't have to be stuck there forever. Not that right. those aren't real, right? Not that those aren't very real things that have happened, but I don't want a person to feel like, you know, cause that failure, feeling that level of failure, like there's things that happened during the birth. I feel like I let my wife down as a husband. Right. And I've had to 
deal with that, right? Because there's just a feel bad about that, right? And so, but that doesn't mean we have to live there forever and be stuck there forever because that can carry into our, you know, our relationship, pregnancy. our next pregnancy, how we raise our kids, all this kinds of stuff. And so, um, Luna, we're so thankful to have you on today, you know, and, and sharing, you know, something that's, you know, I'm glad that you reached out and just said, hey, you know, when we're talking about design to heal, let's start at the beginning, right? You know, right. We, mm -hmm. babies are designed being born. Designed to give birth. Yeah, good design, good good, that's your podcast. You can start. <laughs> exactly. We are designed to give birth. It's not a diagnosis. It's it, regardless of what the medical profession has tried to do to that they can't change what it is, right? It is, you're, you're physiologically designed, man and women, to make babies and have babies. And thank God for that. And the body does a really, 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 really good job as long as we don't mess it up. We've done also a really good job of messing it up and interfering. And so a lot of what you do and others is just a call back to the way it could be, right? Supported, mm -hmm. empowered, educated, natural birth. And then for those small, small, small percentage where that's not an option, giving them the appropriate care before and after that they need. That's not radical. That's mm. just intelligent, right? So thank you for the work you do, yeah. you know, for mm. the families that you've taken care of and all of the legacies that'll be different because that mom and dad and family didn't have to go through. There are none of those statistics that we have to talk about, mm. you know, and I'm sure it's a many times a thankless profession and be right. People roll their eyes at us, crazy chiropractors and doulas and midwives, right? We're not real whatevers, you know, and all that. But, you know, we, the only reason we continue doing the work is because of the people. Right, that we get right. to take care yeah. of our patients. And, and guess what? The evidence supports us. <laughs> yeah. And there's that, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I like you. She's like, well, yeah, because we're right. You know, like it's exactly. <laughs> I mean, hello. You deserve to, but please don't drop my mic. All right. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Luna, thanks for being on. We appreciate you. And for the listeners out there, we will catch you next week on another episode of Design to Heal. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. To learn more about Dr. Ben's work, visit AchieveWellness.clinic.